In confusion and uncertainty, there emerges a guiding light, a beacon that cuts through the darkness. Welcome to Beacon of Truth with your host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello and welcome to Beacon of Truth. I'm Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. It's great to be with you. I hope you had an outstanding weekend. And uh, I know I sure did. And if you want to be part of the program today, give us a call, 833-288-3986. Or you can send an email, beacon, with a B, at EWTN.com. And we are uh, starting our third week of Beacon of Truth. I'm so excited. I look forward to doing this show every day and to being with all of you. And again, our purpose is to help bring people to a deeper love and intimacy with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by speaking the truth of the Catholic faith in love. Because truth is not a philosophy, it's not an idea. Truth is a person, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The way, the truth, and the life. And today, I'm so excited to welcome our very first guests on Beacon of Truth. Greg and Julie Alexander, the founders of the Alexander House, they are doing amazing work with regard to marriage. And uh, marriage is, is definitely under attack today. It was, a, is, and, and it was an attack uh, in the beginning, uh, in Genesis. Uh, the family's attack, covenant relationship with God is being attacked. And there's no question and, no, and, and doubt that it's being attacked again today. So to help us think about marriage and what marriage is and how we can strengthen our marriages, Greg and Julie Alexander, two very good friends of mine. I've known them for years, and I'm so excited for them to be our very first guests on Beacon of Truth, and I'm very much looking forward to our conversation. So where in the world am I? Well, today, I am at St. Alphonsus Liguori Catholic Church in Greenwell Springs, Louisiana, Cajun country. And I'm um, having a wonderful time here. Um, uh, I, after I left Kellenberg Memorial High School in New York, uh, out on Long Island, I flew down to Fort Lauderdale to speak at the Man Up Miami Men's Conference and uh, had a, a wonderful time there. And then flew here uh, to St. Alphonsus Liguori, where I preached at the Masses on Sunday and gave a talk uh, last night then preached at mass, at the school mass, and then talked to middle school kids today, and uh, giving my talk tonight, another talk tomorrow, and then I'm uh, actually heading to um, the Boston area um, to uh, attend the funeral for a very good priest friend of mine, um, Father Patrick Sullivan. He was the rector in our, uh, in our dorm at, at Notre Dame, a uh, very, very influential man in my life. Uh, he was my spiritual director during my four years at Notre Dame as an undergrad while I was discerning monastic life. And, um, and after uh, I left the monastery, I, I maintained my relationship with Father Pat, and, and he, he actually married. He was one of the priests that married my wife and I. So, uh, and so we saw each other and kept in touch over the years, and I just heard last week that, uh, that he passed away. And so several of us Holy Cross hogs, uh, from Notre Dame, we're, we're, uh, we're uh, going to get together and we're going to go and honor the man that meant so much to us uh, during our formative years at the University of Notre Dame, Father Patrick Sullivan, CSC. So please, please remember him in your prayers. And I want to give a thank you 
um, to the folks here at um, St. Alphonsus Liguri, uh, Father Michael Baroni from uh, Ireland, uh, who's been here serving, uh, actually is ordained and serving here for the uh, Diocese of Baton Rouge, and my brother deacons, uh, Robert and Ronnie. Uh, I got a chance to serve with uh, one of the masses with, with Deacon Ronnie over the weekend, and the parish staff has been amazing, and you know, it's, 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 this is great. So I was telling the, the, the I was meeting the staff today, and they're, they're just like, and this is anecdotal, many, I'm in many, many parishes, different parish every week, of almost every week of the year. And uh, anecdotally, I'm noticing probably 80% of the staff are women. <laughs> so women are running the church, running the parishes. And I just want to say a quick thank you to, uh, to Lisa, who oversees all the staff as the pastor associate, and Melissa, the business manager, and Sarah, um, and uh, Margaret, the receptionist, and Donna, uh, who, uh, uh, and Cindy, who took me to lunch today. Uh, we had a great time at a Greek restaurant, and Crystal, and Olga. Olga worked with my team to get me here uh, for, for Lent, for the parish mission here, and Colby, the faith formation uh, director, and, and uh, the, the staff here, everybody here has just been a wonderful father Mike and I had some great conversations in the evening in the rectory talking about the church and everything it's been uh, it's been fantastic and uh, I, and I want to say this too you know um, I, and I was reminded by this when I was talking to the uh, to the middle school kids the fifth through eighth grade this morning you know we so many of us lament especially parents and grandparents about our kids leaving the church and why they're leaving the church, and they're not being told the truth, and they're not getting great catechesis, and they're not in love with Jesus. I mean, they're learning stuff about Jesus' head knowledge, but it's not translating to heart knowledge, where they're deeply in love with Jesus to the point where they can't imagine their life without Jesus in it, without Jesus being the heart and the center of every decision that they make with their bodies, with their careers, with their thoughts, with their lives, everything. And, and so I was thinking about all of this, and, and I was thinking about the three high schools that I visited uh, in the past month. Um, J. Sarah High School in uh, San Juan Capistrano, California, Nolan Catholic High School in Fort Worth, Texas, and then just recently Kellenberg Memorial High School in Uniondale, New York, out on Long Island. And these schools are really living the Catholic faith. I got to tell you, I, I was so heartened to be uh, an honored, honored to be able to speak, not just to students, but to parents and faculty and staff, you know, uh, about our faith and about what's going on in the culture. And it was just amazing to see how these schools are not just teaching the faith. I mean, the Catholic faith is embedded in the way they think and the way they uh, work with students and the opportunities that are provided for students to really help them to fall in love with Jesus so that they don't become susceptible to the culture, to the lies of the culture, and to, to fall away from the faith. Um, so I, boy, I, I know there's, there's still a lot of challenges um, uh, with, our, with our young people today, um, but to see schools like this, and let's be real, there's some schools that are Catholic, there's a marketing slogan for them. They're not really teaching the Catholic faith, and you might as well just be paying for a very expensive public school. But to visit these three schools I did over the past month and to, to see the dynamism and, the, and the, the, the passion 
with which they are living the Catholic faith. Man, it is inspiring. And I, and I pray that the Lord will raise up more schools with the courage to really teach these kids and to love these kids um, uh, enough to tell them the truth that, 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 that Jesus is the king of the universe. He's the Lord of our life and that, um, that their whole life should be focused and centered on deepening their relationship with him. Because when they do that, they're able to become the person who God created them to be. And uh, that's going to be a beautiful thing to see. I mean, the church will flourish um, and we'll really see systemic change within our culture when we see young people truly living their Catholic faith with passion and conviction and not acquiescing to the culture of woke. So um, I just want to give a wonderful shout out to these um, schools that are just doing an amazing job. And uh, again, I, uh, it almost makes me wish I was young again. <laughs> you know, to be able to, 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 to I mean, I went to, I went to a great high school too. Uh, but, but to see, especially high schools of this size with over a thousand kids um, and, and the programs that they're offering, uh, you know, so it's not just about athletics because sometimes with Catholic schools, the focus is uh, sometimes maybe, maybe a little too much on athletic prowess. Because let's, let's be real, everybody loves a winner. And when you're really good at sports at high school, then donors like that. They, they want to be part of a winner. They want to give to a winner. You know? um, and, and I think it's time that we make a shift to start supporting schools that are get our kids to heaven. You know, not just winning on the football field or the basketball court, um, but, but winning souls for Christ. And, and helping these kids uh, in their marriages and their family to truly live uh, their Catholic faith, to truly love Jesus, to devote themselves to Christ's present body, blood, soul, divinity, the Eucharist, to make Eucharistic adoration and the rosary and all the beautiful devotions we have a way of life. You know, and uh, boy, the more, if, boy, imagine, imagine if we, if, if Catholic schools actually started to be Catholic, like passionately Catholic. Man, we will see a change in this country like you wouldn't believe. So, we're getting ready to uh, to welcome our first guests ever on Beacon of Truth, Greg and Julie Alexander of the Alexander House. And we look forward to you be participating in the program. Give us a call, 833-288-3986. Welcome back to Beacon of Truth with Deacon Harold Burke Severs. To join the conversation, call 833-288-EWTN. That's 833-288-3986. Or send your email to beacon at EWTN.com. Here again is Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. All right. Well, uh, we're welcoming our very first guests today on the show, Greg and Julie Alexander of the Alexander House, very good friends of mine that are doing amazing, amazing work with, with marriages and helping to upbuild and strengthen the covenant relationship uh, in the sacrament of matrimony. Very excited to, to talk with them today. And our crack team is with us today. We have Matt Gabinski doing call screening, Charles Berry doing social media, and Ace is out today. <laughs> so uh, so uh, uh, we'll, he'll be back with us uh, again tomorrow. But in the meantime... 
I want to introduce you to uh, EWTN's online learning series, Women Made New. You're going to love this. So discover the beauty, truth, and goodness of the church. With the EW10 online learning series, you can delve into the riches of the faith and grow closer to the Lord. With free, you heard me right, free videos and study guides. In Women Made New, you'll be inspired by the stories of Kristalina Evert. Oh, she's awesome. Joy Pinto, Teresa Tamio, and Cameron Frad. As you hear how God helped them overcome trials. Most importantly, you'll understand that he will help you too. Enroll in our courses today at learningseries.ewtn.com. Oh, come on. You got to take advantage of that. That is awesome. Again, learningseries.ewtn.com. Well, when you hear that music, you know what it means. It is time for a reflection, typically on the Psalms. But today, since we're talking specifically about marriage and matrimony and uh, with, with, with our uh, Greg and Julie Alexander, I want to do a little bit of exegesis on Genesis chapter 2, uh, a few verses like 18 to 25. So just quickly, verse 18 says, uh, Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. So God created the man in Hebrew, ha-adam, uh, depicted as male, and said, uh, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now, it's not good for man to be alone because God himself exists as a family, as a communion of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And since we're made in the image and likeness of God, the family on earth has to be the image and likeness of the family in heaven. So, the, uh, so God said, I'll make a helper fit for him. Now, helper doesn't mean maid or cook or soccer mom. Uh, it's actually help mate in Hebrew, azer konegdo, which means someone who stands opposite or parallel to you, who helps, aids, assists, surrounds, protects, and defends in battle. God wanted to create a battle partner for the man. What's the battle going to be against? Sin. And death, they fight together. So how does God go about creating this Azetar connected with this battle partner? Verses 19 and 20 says that the Lord formed beasts of the ground and birds of the air and brought them to the man for the man to name. And he gave them their names, but he couldn't find a helper fit for him. And so in verse 21, it says the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. He took out a rib, closed his place with flesh. And with that rib, he built up a woman and brought her to the man. So... He put him into a deep sleep. Teredema in Hebrew. Teredema. It means a deep sleep without consciousness or dreams. And when you see that word used in um, Job, in 2 Samuel 6, in Exodus, whenever someone wakes from that deep sleep, God does something amazing. And so he takes out a rib. Now, why a rib? If you're going to build up a battle partner to fight against the forces of sin and death, use a big bone like a femur. Or a tibia, or a fibula, or a humerus, or ulna, or radius, or clavicle, or something. Why a rib? Because if he used a bone from the lower part of the body, she'd be less than him. If he used a bone from the upper part of the body, she'd be greater than him. Use a rib from the side to show that she's equal to him, equal in dignity before God. And then what does he do? He brings her to the man. Now, if you think about a wedding, what happens? The father walks his daughter 
up the aisle and gives her to his, his now soon-to-be son-in-law. So think that's, that's beautiful how we image this in, in, the, in the marriage ceremony. Uh, just like God the Father gave his daughter right, to, to, his, to his son, um, to Adam, the, the father walks his daughter up the aisle and gives her to his, his, his daughter, who he raised up to that point, to this man that's going to take care of her now for the rest of her life. That's beautiful. And when he sees her, what does he say? He doesn't say, man, you're hot. He says, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Now, why does he say it that way? In Semitic languages like Hebrew and Aramaic, there, there are no superlative words. So we in English use words like the greatest, the best, the most to describe something to the highest or greatest degree. But in these languages, they don't have words like that. So they had to do one of two things. They said something three times. So, and we steal that all the time as Catholics. Like the Sanctus at Mass, holy, holy, holy is the Lord because God gets the highest degree of holiness. Or they use a prepositional phrase, like in 1 Timothy or the book of Revelation, it says Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the greatest of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. And so now the man looks upon this woman who in an earthly way, in an earthly way, perfects him, completes him, perfectly complements him. And he says, this at last, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She's the greatest of my bones. She's the greatest of my flesh. She is the greatest part of who I am, right? That's what he's saying. Therefore, a man leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife and they become one flesh. Now, the word there for cleave to is daubach in Hebrew, which means to pursue as to overtake. So he pursues her and when he catches her, he puts her behind him and says, if you want to get to her, you have to come past me. Because his job is to serve, protect, and defend everything that God has entrusted to his care. Including his amazing, awesome, beautiful wife. And then finally, the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. Because they were looking at each other through God's eyes. They were seeing each other the way God sees them. That's God's plan for marriage. But, but what happened? <laughs> How did things get so messed up? Well... To help us reflect on the meaning and the beauty of marriage, I want to introduce to you our first guest on Beacon of Truth, Greg and Julie Alexander of the Alexander House near San Antonio, Texas. Welcome, Greg and Julie. Hey, thank you, Deacon Harold. It's a pleasure to be on, especially as your first guest. I'm, I'm really honored. Yes, I am too. Thank you so much. And I will be the first to say, yes, it was his fault. So go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, Greg and Julie, you know, we've, we've, been, we've been friends for years, for a long time. And you know how much I admire. In fact, I, I was down at your place now, and, and you gave me a tour of the, the Alexander House, the facilities down there that you moved to. And it's just extraordinary how God has blessed the work that you're doing. And that's one of the ways that you know that you're doing God's will. When, when, when he blesses you um, in a way to be able to, to, to reach even more couples, even more people with the beauty uh, and the power of God's love in that sacrament of matrimony. So, so tell us a little, bit, a, a little bit about your story. And we'll, get, we're gonna, we'll explore this more deeply in the next segment, which is longer. But for now, just give, just give people a little bit of flavor about, uh, about Greg and Julie Alexander. Well, in, in short, about 26 years ago, after 10 years of marriage, Julie and I had concluded that there was no hope left for us in our marriage relationship. And we grew up 
with our lives, our marriage, centered around the, our jobs, the money, and the materialistic things that we were able to acquire with that money. In fact, we allow for those things to be our source of happiness, if you will. And after a few years of, of running on that, that rat race, if you will, we couldn't find the happiness in those things anymore. And unfortunately, both started looking for that happiness in other people. So infidelity became a big part in our marriage. And needless to say, Deacon Harold, when those secrets were discovered, we just simply concluded that if our marriage is having to resort to that kind of behavior, then there can't be much of a marriage left. And, and I don't even know if it's what I wanted, but I went to Julie and I said, look, I said, we need to get a divorce. And without hesitating, she just immediately agreed. And in fact, she said something to the fact that that's how we're living our life anyway. You know, we have a house in common. We have kids in common, but literally we're spiritually divorced. And even at that point, we were living in two different cities as she was working in San Antonio and I was living in Austin with the two kids. But we um, went to our parish priest for that emergency call to see if he could offer help and could not. He referred us out to a Catholic therapist who gave us a $100 history lesson as to how our marriage relationship was like the Civil War. It simply concluded that maybe we're not meant to be together in the first place. Maybe you should divorce. And leaving his office hearing what we thought we wanted to hear, we went home and proceeded to tell our seven- and nine-year-old Christopher and Lauren that mom and dad are going to get a divorce. And regardless of the fact that they were huddled in the corner, embracing each other, literally crying their eyes out, we just kind of dismissed it. Oh, they'll be fine. You know, if they grow up and present any issues or problems, we'll just send them to counseling. That's what everybody else does, and it seems to be okay. Again, just demonstrating how cold-hearted we have become. But neither one of us made a move, And but the good thing is we continue to go to Mass every Sunday. And this particular summer, we had a visiting priest who came in to fill in for our pastor for the whole summer. And uh, the best I can explain, he was just a great teacher of the faith, much like you, Deacon Harold, when you're out doing your different talks. He made the faith come alive. It was It was touching our hearts so much so that we started meeting with him in between the two mass times, and we later found that he was the tribunal vicar for the diocese. And if we didn't know anything else about our faith, we knew that this is the guy that does that annulment thing, and, and maybe this awesome God is blessing us with this priest to become a friend, because surely he's going to show us how to get out of our marriage relationship. And so Julie made the decision to, to make an appointment to go visit with him so we can talk about the troubles that we were experiencing in our marriage. It was incredible because I just continued to know that this was a desire in my heart, not because I knew that there was hope for our marriage. I really didn't think there was, but it was out of the obligation and the guilt that I had on my heart thinking my parents would kill me. <laughs> Literally, it was that thought in my head. It wasn't about making our marriage work because I didn't think there was any way possible. But we went, and when we got to his office and we divulged our entire story and basically throwing everything up on his desk. He did this. She did this. He did this. It was like a tennis match. We dumped everything we possibly could because everything that we did wrong in our marriage was absolutely incredible. He sat back, patiently listened, and he said, I understand your plight in your situation. Well, let me ask you a few questions. What is God's plan for marriage? Who? What does our church teach about the sacrament of marriage? We don't know. What are some of the writings of St. Paul and the various Holy Fathers pertaining to marriage? Literally, we looked at each other. We said, we don't know. We, what does that have to do with us? We were once in love and now we're not. We're simply coming here to have you help us get out of our marriage. He said, ah, but before you go any further, I suggest you go home and find the answer to these questions I've asked. And by the grace of God, Greg did. So I went home, Deacon Harold, started with Scripture 
Uh, yeah, okay. hold, hold that thought right there, Greg, because, man, I'm on the edge of my seat, man. <laughs> so when we come back, we'll continue to hear the story of Greg and Julie Alexander, the work at the Alexander House. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call, 833-288-3986. All right, rocking a little bit old school coming out of the break. Still with the best bumper music ever, right? Little shout out to the 50s there uh, with that little tune. And again, our show team is in the house. Matt Gabinski, our call screener. Charles Beery, social media expert. And Ace is out today, but he'll be back with us again tomorrow. And, uh, you know, once somebody asked me once when I was, uh, when they saw me with the rosary, why do you do that? They said, and I said, well, all I'm doing is meditating on the greatest mysteries of our faith, the, uh, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ through the heart of the Blessed Mother. And guess what? EWTN Radio brings you the Holy Rosary twice each day for over 25 years. Tune in every morning at 5.30 a.m. Eastern for Mother Angelica and every evening at 9.30 p.m. Eastern for Father Benedict Rochelle of Happy Memory, only on EWTN Radio. So get your rosary on at EWTN Radio. Uh, I'm so thrilled to welcome the first guests to Beacon of Truth, uh, Greg and Julie Alexander, the founders of the Alexander House, and they were in the middle of, t- of sharing their story, their journey uh, of what happened in their marriage uh, so, yeah, please, Greg, continue. Yeah, so, so taking, it, taking it back from that point, Deacon Harold, uh, uh, to this priest's admonishment, I went home and I opened the Bible first. I went to St. Paul in Ephesians to see what this church had to say about marriage. What's the Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, Article 7, Paragraph 1601. And there were those words again, God's plan for marriage. And again, as Julie alluded to, we didn't even know God had a plan for marriage. And then I, I went on the Internet, and I found out about these little things called encyclicals. I'd never heard of the word before, but our belated Holy Father, John Paul the Great's Familiaris Consortio was the first one I downloaded, and I mean read from, from cover to cover, and, and literally for two days just hold up in our bedroom, just reading and accessing this information, taking copious amounts of notes. But that second evening, I called Julie into the room. I said, Julie, come here. I want to share with you what the Church has to teach about the sacrament of marriage. In all honesty, I looked at it and I said, no wonder we're messing it up. We're not even coming close to living like this. Look at this stuff. So I spent about 30, 45 minutes overviewing with her the things that I was finding. However, what I was finding in her is that she was just as blown away as I was. In fact, she turned to me and she said, wow, this is incredible. What do we do? And I said, no, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we need to pray or something. And so I took her by the hands. We got on our knees. I said a simple prayer. Father, we tried living marriage the way that we think we should do it. It doesn't work. We tried the world's way. And as you know, that too doesn't work. And right now, we sincerely invite you into our lives to show us how you want us to live marriage. And if you deliver us from this evil, we will commit the rest of our lives working in some kind of marriage or family ministry. Well, on May 24th this year, that'll be 25 years ago that we said that prayer. In fact, the very next week, we went and resigned our corporate jobs, and we dedicated our lives to helping other couples come to learn what we learned about this beautiful sacrament called marriage. Wow. (laughs) 
That's awesome. I love that. You know, and I love the fact that you made this radical change. You know, just like the prodigal son, he's in the pit. You know, he's in the pig pen. And he realized the only one that can help me right now is God. He makes those courageous steps back. And, and you guys did it. You left your jobs and said, you know, God, this is going to dedicate the rest of our lives to this. And, and, so, uh, and so you eventually found the Alexander House. What kind of work are you doing there? Well, right now what we do, well, let me even back up and tell you how we started Deacon Harold, because at first we didn't know what we were going to do on behalf of the ministry. And, uh, but we started doing these little informal talks at our home parish because what we were finding is that there are many other couples who were not only experiencing problems like we were, but had no clue that God had a plan for marriage. So doing these talks, a DRE from another parish called Julie and said, hey, I heard about the talks you and your husband have been giving. Do you guys have a workshop or anything? Well, my, my beautiful bride here, I'll just tell you, she lied. <laughs> she lied and, and committed us to a workshop that we didn't even have. In fact, she came to me all excited. Sweetheart, sweetheart, we have our first workshop on behalf of the Alexander House. I'm like, we don't even have a workshop. What are you talking about? She said, well, we got a date. You better come up with something. But, uh, but that forced me to go back and put together what we now call the six essential elements for the strong foundation for a good marriage. And we started doing the workshops. The workshops were going great. Couples started coming up and said, hey, uh, I like your workshop. We learned a lot, but do you work with couples individually? So it worked for Julie. So I said, sure, we work with couples individually. When do you want to get started? And so that started now what we call a marriage disciples program, where Julie and I work couple to couple with other couples that are experiencing difficulties needing to come back. And I'm happy to say that we've also been blessed now to have seven other couples around the nation trained in serving as marriage disciples as well. Because as it is right now, even with those seven, we still have a five-month waiting list. And so we still, to this very day, conduct that very same marriage workshop once a quarter here on campus. Uh, we also have a Raphael's Way, which are two components. One component is helping men and women who have suffered from abortions come back to reconciliation and healing. And then also a component that deals with women who have suffered from natural miscarriages as well. And uh, I'm proud to say this Saturday we'll be hosting our seventh Catholic Gentlemen's Club meeting. We're kind of recapturing the name Gentlemen's Club and bringing it back to what it should be and just bringing a bunch of guys together, giving certain teachings and help forming them to become the best men, husband, and fathers that they can be. Yeah, and I'll take it back to simplicity, Deacon. I think it's important to hear, for men to hear these words. Um, we were devastated. I remember I was in the... Uh, a, literally a position, a fetal position, crying on the floor because I knew it was done. And my mom had called on the phone and she didn't have anything to say, how dare you? Do you want to leave? Do you want to get out of there? Do you want to? She said, we love you and we're praying for you. And from that moment, the time that not only were, were they praying for us, but when Greg called me into the room, he said, no wonder we are messed up. Look at this stuff. Look at God's plan. We're not even coming close to living that. What is our church? Listen to what God teaches in our plan. And what I want to share with men is when you said it seemed like it turned around so quickly, it's because it's the day Greg called me into the room. We got on our knees and he led us in a prayer. And I know he shared that prayer, but it's critical because that's when my heart became filled with a fire, a fire I had never, ever experienced before in my life, the fire of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to say, because from that point forward, I truly, truly fell in love with him for what he was showing me, what he was bringing to me and filling me with truth to lead me into truth. And that's when the, the moment that everything changed. 
Wow. You're listening to Beacon of Truth. I'm your host, Deacon Harold Burke-Sibbers, and we're talking to Greg and Julie Alexander, the founders of the Alexander House, and they're sharing their story about their journey back from the brink uh, of divorce and their marriage and how God has really lifted them up and, and, and helped them create an amazing apostolate that's helping thousands of couples uh, to really rediscover the richness and the beauty and the truth of the sacrament of matrimony. Um, and so, so, we, so we, these couples are coming, because look, marriage is hard. You know, I, I was living in a monastery for a while, and, 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 and I enjoyed monastic life. Um, but now I'm married, in fact, 30 years. This is our 30-year anniversary this year. And marriage is the hardest thing I've ever done. And, you know, and, but it, has, it definitely has its challenges and everything. Um, so so what, what are you seeing couples struggle with? Because we know from the beginning that when Satan went after, in Genesis 3, he didn't go after all the things that God created. He didn't go after the rocks or the trees or the orca whales or the butterflies. He went after... <laughs> the family. That was his number one target then and his number one target now to destroy covenant relationship with God by destroying the covenant matrimony. What kinds of things are you seeing? Yeah. For, well, first, let me say congratulations to uh, you guys for 30 years of marriage, Deacon Harold, because there are so many young adults today who, who believe that 30 years of marriage is impossible anymore, that, that it's not even conceivable. So, so thank you for your witness in that regard. Uh, in regards to the troubles that we're seeing, they're all over the place. But let me say this first. It typically starts with communication problems, because once the couple loses that ability to communicate with each other, they start finding other things to engage in to where they're either communicating with other people or they're engaging in things that brings them a fulfillment from which they get from each other anymore. And, and the two top culprits is pornography and infidelity. Again, always looking because, as you mentioned, in this communion of persons and this desire to, to, to experience love, we, we, if, when we can't find it from each other, we start looking for it in other places. And, and unfortunately, there's many, many couples, again, that we see now that are coming who have succumbed to the temptations of other men and women in their lives and falling into that sexual infidelity. Mm. Wow. Um, so we talk about communications problems. Like what kind of, um, I mean, an ability to talk is like a male-female thing, or is it just, um, you know, you come from two different backgrounds, two different family backgrounds converging and causing tension? Is it that they're focusing on the business of the marriage, paying the bills, getting the kids here and there, that they don't really spend time with each other? Like really say, hey, how, how are we doing here? You know, because it's so into the other thing. Is it, or is it a combination of all of that? It, it's D, all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and more so for what you said, you know, we, we have two different people, two different genders, uh, as well, you and Colleen can relate, two different races. We can, anyway, we got all of these differences, and, and we grow up in homes where we have different communication styles. And whether it's good or bad or indifferent, my style from where I came from is my style. The problem is that we both didn't come from the same place, so there's going to be conflict. And, and so it's just learning how to communicate as a whole. And, and given the fact serving in the military, I brought in the phrase rules of engagement. We need to have some basic foundational rules as to how we come together and engage in conversation so that effective and, and, and good communication can be experienced as a result. And, and Deacon Harris, there's three things that we leave couples with. Come to understand honesty, charity, and empathy. Honesty. 
always allowing an atmosphere to exist where one or the other can come to the table and say, this is what I think, this is what I feel, this is what I need, this is whatever. But first, just having the freedom to come to express. Because when we're not able to express, we kind of keep it in the dark or we stuff it inside. And Satan loves that because he can take it, reshape it, morph it, and represent it in a way that our spouse didn't really intend it to be in the first place. And then we're all over the place. So having that honesty, they'd be there. But again, as in truth and love, we have to speak that honest truth in a, in a charitable way. Because when people speak to us in charity, first of all, we're more inclined to listen to what they have to say. Two, we're more apt to respond. And the third and final is empathy. And for the times when our spouse kind of loses it or not have a great day, and because we're human, we're going to lose it. We're going to have those not-so-good days. Instead of us just naturally assuming it must be us and then cop in this, this defensive position ready to launch back an attack, just take a moment to put yourself in your spouse's position to see what is it they might have encountered in the course of that day that has them feeling that way, and just simply come together, engaging in conversation, first to see if it's something that I've done, but if not, what is going on in your life where I can be a helpmate to come and, re- and relieve those pressures or issues or concerns, take them away from your plate. Yeah, I believe totally that uh, Deacon Harold that it's the, the our our differences and our our frustrations and the things that we're opposite on are God's invitation to learn, because it takes humility to be in a marriage, it takes a lot of things to pray for, to pray about, but to pray together. Yeah, you know, oftentimes we see these we come together as couples and we live our lives as if we're single single married. So it doesn't work. We're, the two become one. We're on the same team, and things are supposed to be here where we're helping each other lead, as you said earlier, lead each other to heaven, lead each other to God in and through the way that we serve one another. But in our culture today, we hear, oh, I'm not here. I'm here to be served, not to serve. Well, Jesus himself said, I came to serve, not to be served. And it's in our service that we give to one another that we find out who we really are. And often, as Greg said, in the times of the lack of communication or the misunderstandings, we listen through the lens of wounds in our ears that we hear things that are not really meant to be said. And what Greg talked about earlier, the enemy is real. He's there just like in the Garden of Eden. Look what happened. Uh, Eve was tempted by herself to go and she talked to the serpent. She entered into conversation with the serpent. And when God came to Adam asking, what did you do? Why are you hiding? Where did you, what did you, what happened here? And what takes place? People often say, oh, well, he blamed Eve. It's the woman you put here with me, God. Well, look at who he's really blaming. God, it's the woman you put here with me. God, it's your fault. And don't we often do that? We don't take responsibility for our own weaknesses or our own sins or our own uh, shortcomings. We want to point fingers. And when we point fingers, we place ourselves behind bars. But when we look in the mirror and admit what we, where we need to grow and strengthen and where we need to change, we set ourselves free. Yes, amen. This is Deacon Harold Burke-Sivers, host of Beacon of Truth on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And we're talking today with some very good friends of mine doing amazing work with the Sacrament of Matrimony, Greg and Julie Alexander, founders of the Alexander House. If you want to be part of the conversation, give us a call. 833-288-3986. Now, I mentioned before that we were married for 30 years, but you know what? We've had to go to counseling several times during that, during that marriage. And I think it's really hard, that, and my, my experience, it's really hard for guys 
to want to go to counseling because they think, you know, I don't need counseling. I don't need anybody to tell me what to do or even make excuses. Well, it's not part of our, my culture, you know, <laughs> to go to counseling. Like, what are you nuts? <laughs> Look, you got to do whatever you got to do when it, comes to, when it comes to helping your marriage, you know? And so do you see a reluctance among the men? Like, so do you get contacted mostly by couples or is it the women saying, you know, my husband and I, we need help? Or what, do you, what are you seeing when it comes to the guys? Oh, I, We're I, fighting because we I, want to answer first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can, can we get a marriage disciple to help us out? <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm laughing because it, it, it's almost as if you had a camera in my house because I said almost verbatim some of those things that you were saying because I thought, hey, me being a man, I don't need somebody to tell me how to live my marriage. And, and so for years, Julie tried to, to get me to, to seek out counseling, but I, I just wouldn't go. And so we, we do still to this day see and hear a lot of that. Isn't it, isn't it amazing? that men especially will spend so much money on life coaching, on tennis coach, on a football coach, on a baseball coach, a golf coach, to tell them what to do. But the moment that we say, can we go get help and have a coach for our marriage? It's like, I don't have a problem. You do. You go, you go seek help. <laughs> well, and, and, and what makes it twice as bad is when the wife suggests it. I mean, you're the one that's bringing me problems in the first place. Yeah, <laughs> uh, see, yeah. How should I trust you to tell me where to go seek help for our marriage? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I you talk about communication. I, I remember having to learn because I, I never thought I'd be married because, you know, I'm, I'm, I, mean, I was in a monastery and I, and I never thought oh, I'm going to be married. And I didn't want to end up like my parents. So I didn't think marriage was going to be in the cards. And now I'm with this other person. And it, for example, I remember once she came um, before she was doing her private practice full time. She's a, a clinical therapist. Um, she was working in a hospital. And, you know, she was working for, I had a supervisor. She was having some issues and she was, just came, when she was just started talking to me about issues going on at work. And so I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's what you need to do. You need to do this first and then you talk to this person. She goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm helping you with, with the problem you're having. Well, I don't need help. I, I just want you to listen. I said, what'd you tell me all that for then? If you, <laughs> if you, <laughs> because I think you're telling me this because you want me to solve a problem for you. And she goes, no, I just want you to listen. But uh, see, it's just two different ways of thinking on how to approach things, you know? And, and, and some of that has to be learned. Let's, I mean, look, you, you know why I think we, we need a lot of work in marriage preparation? Oh, my goodness, yes. Because think about it. I mean, the way the sacraments are grouped, you have the sacraments of initiation, baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, the sacraments of healing, reconciliation, anointing of the sick, and the sacraments of the, at the service of communion, uh, holy orders and matrimony, and a priest spends seven years in, in you know semin- mm-hmm. pre-seminary seminary becoming a priest. And what do we do? A weekend <laughs> to, to prepare a couple for a lifetime? Now, I'm not saying we're supposed to spend seven years preparing for marriage, but we have to do a much better job on the front end preparing these couples to receive a sacrament of the church that's going to last them a lifetime and not to good, not to look good for pictures. Amen. Amen. I say that, but I'm going to challenge everyone listening who is married. We have 23, 25, 30 years of marriage prep because we, as their parents, are supposed to be their marriage prep. We are supposed to be living in such a way that is so attractive that our kids look to us and say, wow, I want to be a wife like mom, or I want to be a husband like dad, or I want to be a man like dad, or I want to be a woman like mom. How many kids do we see today, young adults, that we ask, are you getting married? No way. Are you kidding me? 
And the assumption comes back to the realization that they say, if that's what marriage looks like, I want nothing to do with it. Yes, it's up to the church, but why don't we change it to the domestic church that needs to do a lot better training and helping their kids understand and be witnesses to what it looks like to have a marriage that's modeled after God. Yes, amen. Well, Greg and Julie, we have a caller on the line who'd like to speak to you. This is, again, Beacon of Truth with Deacon Harold Burke Sibbers. We're talking with Greg and Julie Alexander of the Alexander House. And we have Randy on the line from central Louisiana. And Randy, do you have a question for Greg and Julie? Well, I, uh, uh, Deacon Harold, I want to thank you, first of all, for the retreat that you're putting on. Uh, I'll be there again tonight. Um, uh, last night, I heard you talk about the covenantal relationship versus the contract. And my wife and I went into that, well, in a, into our second marriage, knowing this. But everything that Greg and Julie touched upon, miscommunication, misunderstanding, you know, having common interests but also separate interests. Uh, the biggest struggle, I think, with our uh, remarriage, even with God being at the center, has been family relations. You know, I was uh, married for 33 years prior to my wife passing away. And then when you enter into a new relationship with a new spouse, there's some friction there. And so if you could give us any advice on on um, on how to deal with that, that would be very helpful. Yeah, well, thank you, Randy, for the call. And uh, first of all, I want to say I'm sorry for your wife. And, and uh, in a moment, you can tell us her name, but we'll continue to pray for the repose of her soul. But uh, in that situation you're speaking about, it's very much akin to what we call the blended families. You know, even when couples come back together with kids. And so there's a lot of history you have to deal with and uh, a lot of problems and issues when there are kids, especially when you both respectfully bring kids into a relationship. And, and first of all, there just has to be that honest conversation to kind of sit down and, for lack of better words, assess the situation, see where things are, talk about the different problems and issues that you see that may be arising in the first place to kind of, kind of stave them off from the beginning. But again, allowing, uh, and, and I'm, I'm speaking out of turn, I'm just assuming that you're speaking in regards to children. Maybe I should be quiet and ask me in what aspect of the relationship and coming together do you need assistance with? You know, you know number one, our, our children are they're adults, you know, so they're not like young children. I mean, um, the youngest is 40, all right? So these are grown adults. It's just hard, you know, when, when you remarry. You know, and, and somebody sees maybe someone else taking the, repla- the place of a spouse. Now, my wife, Camp Carmen, is also, you know, uh, a widowed or, or a widower, uh, but she lost her, her first husband many, many, many years ago and was single for all this time. So just, you know, it, it's just, it's that we've gotten much better. Our, our initial struggles, that's what they were. It was a lot of that was, you know, just kids, you know, and, and, and the pressure there. Um, but, you know, I just want to encourage anyone out there, you know, as, as long as God is at the center of, the, of their life, you know, we pray together, um, you know, the devil's still going to come at you because every day, you know, I just tell it, don't poke the bear because that's, exactly. that's who I am when I get poked, you know, but, you know, it's, it's a lot of times it's just those misunderstandings, you know, I can't read her mind. She can't read mine. And, and I think that's where we have to give each other a little bit of space. So, I mean, I, I, I wanted to thank Deacon Harold and, and, and Julie and, and Greg for your witness to marriage and, your, and the counseling. I know it takes a lot to do that. 
I, for one, my wife tried to get me to go to counseling early. I refused and still refuse to do that because I'm more concerned about what advice I'm getting and from who. You know, is it mm-hmm. is it orthodoxy? Is it is it a quack? I don't know. Uh, I just I'm, I'm just I know that it's a covenant and divorce is not an option in my book. Now, I appreciate that comment again, and, and Randy, going back now to those specifics. So, yes, the first thing I would say is just establishing that open and honest communication, much like in marriage as a whole, except now you have many more people included in that conversation, you know, to hear their thoughts, to hear their concerns, and, and to be able to address those things again and allow them to know that, hey, you know, my wife now is not here to replace your mom. You know, unfortunately, she has passed on, but God has blessed me with another opportunity because I am still here to be a witness to you guys and anybody else we come in contact, what marriage should look like, but more importantly, what God's love should look like. Because when we're living our marriage relationship the way that God calls us to, not only do we experience that joy and happiness, but we also become a reflection of His love right here on earth, which is also what I believe is why Satan is always attacking marriage, because he doesn't want the love of God to be seen and experienced right here on earth. And so as you mentioned, yeah, he is relentless. Uh, He is hell-bent on destroying marriages. And so we have to come to understand that and pray, pray, and a whole lot of prayer for protection and guidance and wisdom. Amen. Beautiful reflection. Thank you so much. I hope that was helpful to you, Randy. Well, Greg and Julie, thank you so much for being the first guests on Beacon of Truth with Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. How can people get in touch with you and the Alexander House? They can quite simply go to www.thealexanderhouse.org. That's T-H-E, alexanderhouse.org. And we'd be happy to serve you. All right. Well, please take advantage of that if your marriage is struggling. I'm telling you, you, they they are awesome and you will benefit greatly. Well, tomorrow, we're going to go deeper into the Psalms. And remember, you can stream today's show by visiting Podcast Central at EW10.com slash radio. And may Almighty God bless you, keep you, and protect you. The Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.